is that we're just praying and believing that God can do, will do, based upon the fact that he has done um, so many amazing promises, not just in Scripture that will be our guidance today here on Reformation Sunday. That really is what it means. Uh, we do stand in the tradition of the Reformation uh, as Rock Harbor Church, and we may do things differently than the Lutheran church, the Episcopal church down the street. But the, what that means is that we are not allowing our formation to be through church tradition, but we want to be reformed by the word of God and that we want to have our people gathering. The idea of small group Bible studies actually came from Luther and the Reformation. Uh, we don't have to just have one Bible in the town, um, but we can have a Bible in every single home and we can be reading the word of God together, that the word of God is open to each and every one of us. And so we proudly stand in that tradition, although we didn't um, all wear red this morning um, on stage, but we stand in that tradition proudly with our brothers and sisters in Christ. How many of you have ever said the prayer, had that moment where you say, God, if you would just help me with this test, even though I never studied, I will serve you every day of my life. God, if you would just help me stop praying to the porcelain throne, I will never drink again. God, if you would just, you know, help and forgive me, I promise that I will serve you. Um, just don't let this police officer write me that ticket. Whatever it is. How many would admit that you've said that prayer at some stage in your life? Uh, without going into great detail, my salvation actually came from a moment where uh, I was with my mom and dad who are here today. And we had a cat that we were trying to get to make other cats. And it went crazy and was running around the farm. And I prayed and said, God, if you would calm my cat down. I will serve you. And I opened my eyes and my cat was 10 feet in front of me and I walked up and picked her up and everyone said, Kevin, how did you do? And I said, it wasn't me. It was Jesus. He's alive. He's real. I want to give my life to him. And it's true. That was my moment of salvation. That morning in Sunday school, they had said, pray to Jesus and he is God. He can answer your prayers. And I said, well, let's try this out. And, and he did. And that's why we have cats and we will never have dogs in our house is because cats led me to the Lord. And so it's awesome. God has the power to save. God has the power to do miracles. God has the power to do miraculous things all across our life. One of our verses for today is from Psalm 37. It says, the Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. Today specifically is probably one of my favorite weeks in this series, and we're talking about the miracle of protection, that we have a God that wants to, can, and many times does protect us in the way that we hope that he does, but in all ways we will see that God's protection is watching over us in his eternal plan. One of the most dramatic stories I ever heard was uh, I had friends in Chicago that went to my seminary, and they had met because the, the one guy was part of the KKK, and the other guy was part of a gang, and they both 
met in prison while they were having some violence between their two groups. And through the complete transformation of the Holy Spirit, they end up sitting in the same pew as a chapel service because it got them out of work duty. And they became followers of Christ together, started a ministry in downtown Chicago, bringing those two groups together. And were just doing amazing work and came to be a part of our seminary. I got to have classes with them. And they shared the story of there was a time that they were working in one of the more uh, dangerous parts of Chicago. And all of a sudden they had noticed like, hey, there's nobody around right now. And then they heard a whistle. And within seconds there was over 30 men and young boys surrounding their car. They were ripped out of their car. They were getting punched. They were getting kicked multiple times. And they heard someone say, and it was actually another language. And they heard someone say, there's kids in the car. They heard the same whistle and everyone took off because even in the streets, if there's little kids in the back of the car, there was a code that you wouldn't, you know, jump someone in that moment because of the kids. They get back in the car, they shut the doors, a little bloody, a little beaten, and they're driving back to actually the seminary and they looked in the back seat and were aware of the fact that there was probably angels among them in that second because they had no kids in the car. But God gave the perception of kids in the car to protect them in that moment and help them get out of that struggle. In that moment, you're like, well, God, if you could do two angels, why not just two, like, 12-foot angels and just take out the bad guys? That seems like how I would do things. But I think we're all very thankful that I'm not God. God is God. Jesus Christ sits on the right hand of his throne. And we have our Trinitarian God who's in control and not me. That's probably not how I would do things. One of my struggles that I deal with on this area of protection, and I've been doing this each week, is we will look at the truth and promises of God. I'm very open with the struggles that I have as well because this has been part of my journey in strengthening my faith, deepening my faith, and I hope it does the same for you. And I struggled even here in the past month when so many people would call or text to check on us when the hurricane was coming through, and they would say, oh, Kevin, I'm so thankful that God answered my prayers, and that your church and your home and everybody's okay. Now, why do I struggle with that? Because we have a covenant church that is in southwestern Florida that sits between two mobile home parks that has seen almost complete destruction of their homes and, and the church had flooding of five to seven feet, all the electronics, everything's gone. We are waiting to be told when we can actually come around them and give them support. They're not ready yet because they had so much destruction. Do you understand the struggle that I have with that? Like, oh, I'm so thankful that your church is fine, but then what about my friend's church? Because this was completely wiped out. And how do we wrestle with that. And we're going to wrestle with that today because I believe by looking at the truth and the promises, but also being real with some of the, the issues that we can see in this world, we actually can build our strength in a really incredible way. We can see that we have a God who is good. We can see that we have a God that is powerful, a God who does miracles, but a God who doesn't always do everything in the way that we wish that he would. So today I can declare that I find this a difficult issue strengthening for me in the end. But I'm also here to tell you that Jesus loves those in southwest Florida just as much as he does on the east coast of Florida. That God's love isn't greater for one over the other. Um, when I heard uh, this message, a similar message given by Craig Rochelle of Life Church, who gave us these videos and graphics to work from, he shared that he was working in Oklahoma City and the window of his church that he 
um, sat in almost every single day, faced the building in Oklahoma City, the federal building that was blown up. And that the room that he was in, that he normally is always at, got completely blown in. The glass was so shattered in that it was assumed if anybody was sitting in the room, they just would have been shredded. Well, he was actually really frustrated because he was not able to get to work on time that day because he was having severe car trouble. And it's just one of those things where you wrestle and say, well, is that God? Was that God in that? Was that God's protection keeping him away from that building? In fact, his church got so rocked that it got completely lifted up and moved off its foundation, and the entire building of this Methodist church had to be torn down and rebuilt back on the foundation because it got rocked. And some of you, as you hear this message today, that might be exactly where you relate, is that you want God's protection, but you feel like you have been blown off of your foundation. And perhaps today God wants to do a rebuilding in your heart, a rebuilding in your soul on this whole idea of how can God protect knowing that there was almost 200 people that died in that explosion on that day as well. And so how do we wrestle with that? And we let God speak into that. So let's just invite God's presence into this. God, I just, today we want to talk about this tension. God, today we want to talk about a God who can save, a God who does protect. But sometimes things don't go the way that we think they should. So God, as we come into this difficult subject to cover, but God, I believe that the only way that we can provide these answers is to dig in your word. And that God, that possibly you can give some comfort to some people that are here feeling broken today. But God, at the very same time, I pray that we can build our faith in a God who does miracles. So God, we just invite you into this, speak through this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I want to give two big thoughts. Uh, if you're taking notes, I pray that this will just do something internally to kind of uh, build your faith up as we go through this process. If you've got a bulletin, you can fill in the blanks. Um, if you've got the app, you can also fill in the blanks and follow along, save your notes. The first big thought for today is this. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. To kind of give you some references on scripture from this, long before rains flooded the entire earth, God planned on Noah to build an ark. If you do not know, maybe you know the story, but perhaps you don't know that it was a hundred years before the flood that God told Noah to begin building the ark. A hundred years before. And that's why if you ask me, Kevin, do you think it was a global flood or do you think it was a local flood? I think it was a global flood because he could have given him a hundred years heads up to move. But no, he said build a boat because the floods were going to come from the deeps. They were going to come from everywhere. And God indeed flooded the earth. Before Jonah was thrown overboard, God knew there was going to be a really big fish that was going to be able to swallow him. Before the Israelites ever were cornered in Egypt against the Red Sea, he knew that he was going to send a pillar of fire and that he was going to use Moses to split the Red Sea so they could walk across dry land. Before you found the bad news of health, before you lost your job or before that person broke your heart, God already has a plan for each and every one of us. That's the truth that we can hold on to today. Jesus is God who has the power to miraculously save, rescue, 
and protect. He has the ability we see in scripture to commission angels, to shout, to shut the mouth of lions, to calm a raging storm. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Today, as we look at the miracle of protection, we're going to once again find Paul in prison. We're going to be in Acts 16. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 16. Um, I believe you can start around verse 16. I'm going to kind of tell the story, and we're going to hit some scripture along the way. So before we get to verse 22, uh, let me kind of catch you up to date on where we are. So where we are in this story is actually uh, Paul is called um, to Macedonia. So he's in a different area. He has his vision. He goes to Macedonia. There's a whole lot of back text here I don't have time to get into, but it's actually amazing. He gets called to come to this place, and he gets there, and there's not even enough Jewish people for a temple. He finds a group of women praying next to the river. If you don't know why they were next to the river, it's because they always had to worship alongside living water. And so in the temple, they would have a baptismal, but it couldn't just sit there. It had to be fresh living water. So the water would flow in, and they'd have the water flow out. So if you didn't have a temple, they would do their Sabbath worship next to a stream because it represented the living water. Such a deep, deep teaching that we don't have time to get into today when Jesus said, I am the living water. So that whole teaching happened. That whole moment happened. He's like, why am I here and then all of a sudden, they're doing some ministry in the area. It's like, God called me to be here, but it's not really working out the way that I expected. There's just some women praying next to the river. Like, I wanted to find, you know, God's people so I could tell them who the Messiah was. It's not going according to Paul's plans. Well, in the midst of that, they were kind of getting harassed by this girl that was possessed by a demon, and it allowed her to predict the future. We see some Old Testament references to this kind of witchcraft work. So we talked about this in week one. We talked about the miracle of deliverance, that we recognize that there are demonic forces at work. But even the Old Testament, it was shown that that was not something that we are supposed to participate in, even though there is some power in that. So Paul and Silas are there. They kind of just get annoyed by her. And eventually they're like, okay, enough's enough. In the name of Jesus, leave. And they rebuke the demon. It leaves the girl. Well, there's a problem. Because there was a group of men, because a group of men using women for their financial gain and, and abuse has been around since the beginning of time. And we see that in our culture today, and it's happening back then. So they're using this girl as a cash cow. They're making people pay large amounts of money to go see their demon-possessed young girl who can predict the future. So when Paul and Silas cast them out, all of a sudden, they've lost their money. So they go around town, they tell all these lies, and they get all the people fired up. And now we'll pick up in verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates, that's like the judges, they ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Now, if you don't know, as Roman citizens, it was illegal for them to be beaten by rods, whipped, or hung on a cross to be crucified. It was illegal for any of this to be done. After they had been severely flogged, so the two offenses now that were illegal, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So Paul and Silas, stripped and beaten. And you ask the question, perhaps they were asking the question, where is God in this? 
We were called to come to Macedonia. We had a vision. We followed God. He called us to come here. We get here. And there was no people for us to preach to like we expected. The ministry wasn't working out. We were getting harassed by this demon girl. We cast the demon out. And now we're illegally being stripped and beaten, not to mention it didn't feel very good. They were beaten nearly to death. That's what that means. So here in this moment, they're, they're discouraged. They're beaten. They have doubts. Perhaps as you hear this message today, you've not been beaten by rods or by whips. But through life this week, the words of other people, circumstances in your life, you can know what that feels like to have doubt, discouragement, and say, where is God in this? Certainly to have disappointment of God, why are you letting me down? Why didn't you protect? Protect, And it's so easy to say the words of, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. So I can tell you what Paul and Silas did. They quit their small group. They stopped praying. They stopped going to church. They stopped giving. They took a vacation. And they started listening to secular music and no more K-Love. They were going to prove and just show God what's up. No, that's not what they did. What they did here is the whole point of why we're in this text. Because this teaches us exactly what we should do in the midst of any situation, any situation that we come into. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Did you get that? They had just been beaten by rods. They had just been whipped. It was incredibly physically damaging and harmful and hurtful. It was illegal. And then they were called there by God. And in the midst of it, they chose to sing and pray hymns. And in the church over the past year, we have shared stories after stories of in the past few years, Christians all over the world who can relate to this text more than we can, to be honest. Of Chinese pastors who are thrown not just in prison, but in the sewers of the prison every single day so that they could push along the stuff that was getting clogged up in the sewers because they were followers of Jesus. And what did they do? They sang and they praised. And what smelled bad began to smell like flowers. And what went from them getting beat every single day became a place of solitude. No one wanted to touch them anymore. And they could sing and praise. And I have no doubt that that Chinese pastor had this verse on his mind. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. So this is a miracle, right? And we can read this and be like, wow, God is so good. Like, God does this amazing miracle. And so many times, especially like in children's church, we just focus on this miracle. Like, you know, what is a miracle? When God in heaven intervenes with what is happening here on earth, a miracle takes place. What I love about this text, before I get to the next point, is that if you're taking notes, write this down. Don't wait to worship after a miracle. Worship before a miracle. Paul didn't wait to worship until God released him from the prison. Paul and Silas worshiped God even in the midst of the difficult days. And perhaps that's the work that God wants to do in your life right now. 
is you're waiting for a miracle to happen so that you can worship God. And God may be saying, no, I want you to worship me even louder today so that everybody around you can hear that you're worshiping me even though your circumstances are not going well. I love how the writers of Hebrews says this. He says, to offer a sacrifice of praise. Therefore, Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Let's be honest. Even though I'm speaking to the choir, those that chose to come to church on Sunday, that sometimes I have had Sundays that I have come to church because I just felt like I was supposed to. It wasn't in my heart. I would probably be completely honest to say I've had Sundays that I've had to preach messages when I internally I was struggling and I was hurting. But sometimes we offer a sacrifice of praise. God, I don't feel it today. I don't get all these tingly feelings. You know, God, I just, I feel far from you. But in those moments, I encourage you to sing louder and to pray more. I know you may not feel it as much, but let God work in those moments. We offer him that praise. And then we see what happens next. And this is the lesson that we've been focusing in this entire series. We have a God who can do miracles. And last week we showed he did a miracle and then chose not to. This week he did the opposite. He chose not to and then he did. That we try to understand why did you do this miracle but you didn't do that miracle. And we can understand that God is working through this in so many ways. Maybe you need to stop praying for someone else to get fixed. And God's saying, I want you to work on you. Because if you don't know, at the end of the day, the only person you have any control over, 100%, is you. We try to control our kids. We try to sometimes control our spouse. Let's just be honest. We try to control other people. But ultimately, all we can do is work on ourselves. And maybe that is what God is calling us to do. The second thing, if you could bring up the next slide for me. In Acts 16, the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. History lesson, if you were a Roman soldier and you were on duty and the guards escaped, they probably weren't going to kill just you. They were going to take out you and your entire family. So he's like, well, maybe if I just get ahead of the game here and take myself out, it will end here. So that's what's happening here. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself before he, uh, he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Now there's a whole lot to unpack right here. Do you notice who's still there? Not just Paul and Silas. And why? Why was it not just Paul and Silas? Because if I was one of those prisoners, I probably would have been ready to take off. But they said, no, we're all still here. Because they had heard them singing. And they recognized that the God that they were praising, the God that they were reaching out to, had the power to open the prison doors. And I'm guessing Paul and Silas said, and this is my guess, I'm playing the chosen here. Um, they said, hey, God hasn't told us to leave yet. Stay. And those guys were like, well, if the dude can open up all these doors, we're going to listen to him. And they listened. And they stayed. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, as you look through scripture, there's something that I think Christians miss. 
And that is that most of the times, not all the time, I think about Jesus healing Lazarus because he loved him and he was his friend. Does God do miracles for us? Absolutely. Does God do miracles for Christians in the New Testament? Absolutely. But many times, God does a miracle because he wants to bring people to him. And we see that in this circumstance. He sees God's miracle, and he says, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. They go to the household. The entire household hears, believes, and is baptized. You see, I love the simplicity of this. People try to make our salvation difficult. Do you want to know what you must do to be saved? Believe in your Lord Jesus Christ. He makes it so easy for us that they believed and they were saved. Not only was Paul saved from the prison, so was the jailer and his entire family. Before Paul went to prison, guess what? God already had a plan. He already had a plan. God had miraculously protected Paul's life and brought him into this moment. Do you think that Paul still physically hurt at this moment? Absolutely. Absolutely he did. He was still physically in pain. But at this point, do you think he thought that it was worth it? And some may say maybe, because let's be honest, like that would really hurt. But I think that's what God's calling us to, is to be willing to hurt for others. We share this verse at the end of many of our services, because we loved you so much, we are delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We do that because we're willing to hurt for other people to get to know Jesus. So we follow this process, and we can see that God often protects you in so many ways that we don't understand. You know, perhaps you're late to a meeting. You get stuck at a light. God is protecting you. You're wanting to get accepted to the school that you know that you want to go to, and you, you don't go to that school, but God is protecting you. Because he doesn't want you at that school, he wants you at a different school. You know, you, you say a prayer that for God to give you something, and sometimes he will give you exactly what you ask. At other times, God will give you exactly what you need. That we praise God, don't, you know, you praise for God that you want to marry a certain person. You pray, God, this is the person that I want to marry, you pray for it. But maybe God said no so you could be sitting next to a better person today, Right? Thanks, John, for saying amen. Every single man in this room had the opportunity to say amen and have his wife smile and look at him just like yours did, and John took the opportunity. Good job, good job. You see, God is that good. God is that good that we can trust him in that, that we're with exactly who we want God us to have us with. And as we get to know the goodness and faithfulness of God that we can be convicted and convinced in that because some of you right now may be thinking really is this really where God wanted me to be and we can trust him in that that long before you face the problem that God has a plan if you're continuing to take notes this is our second point for the day sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans you see this wasn't the only time that Paul was arrested it's actually estimated that in Paul's ministry, he spent five and a half to six years in prison. He was in prison like a lot, like over and over and over again. He was in prison. So did God fail and then have victory? God fail, have victory, fail, have victory? No. God had victory in all of it. 
even the times that he was in prison. In fact, it's estimated that if he wasn't locked in rooms and in prisons, we wouldn't have half the New Testament because it's like the only way that God could get him to slow down from starting churches. And we're so thankful that he was able to start those churches, but we're also thankful that he was able to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the word that we're able to understand God's truth for us. If you didn't know that he was tried by Nero, so he, God saved him, God released him. God saved him, released him. Then he was tried by Nero, convicted of simply being a follower of Jesus Christ. And Romans don't crucify other Romans, so they took his head off. Where was God in that? Where did God heal him in that moment? And then we understand that, yes, God brought Lazarus up from the dead, but guess what? Lazarus ain't here anymore. He eventually died. And so we wrestle with this. We're like, God, why didn't you? Like, God, God, we got to understand that God always answers our prayers, that God is always in control, that God is always protecting. And just because our prayers don't get answered in the way that we would hope, that his thoughts are beyond our thoughts, his plans are beyond our plans, that he's thinking on an eternal level beyond what we can understand. I've been next to babies who didn't wake up. I've been in situations where a teen was mangled by a drunk driver and the drunk driver walked away with barely a scratch. This week, I'm praying for marriages that are healing. I'm praying for marriages that are breaking. But you know what? I'm praising God in both. We're blessing and bringing God into all of those situations. Does it hurt? Yes. Do we grieve sometimes? Yes. Do we feel devastated at times? Yes. Do we continue to trust? Yes, thank you. Yes. We worship him, we said this last week, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. He is our savior who came and was beaten and flogged for us, who was put on a cross and crucified so that our sins could be forgiven. That is who he is. He's a God who loves us, a God who designed us on purpose and for a purpose. So what do we do? If God can miraculously protect, I'll tell you what you do. You continue to pray for protection. And you know what? Jesus taught us how to pray, right? Look at how Jesus taught us how to pray in Matthew 6. In this manner, therefore we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How does every single prayer start with praise? We praise him just like Paul and Silas. Every single day, regardless of our circumstances, we start our day with the praise of him. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, God. If this went by Kevin's will, this would not be a very good place. It would be like Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty. Everything would go to chaos. Love that movie. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I can't go a day without you. I need you. If you're not getting in the word and spending time in prayer every single day, you're going each day malnourished to go into all the difficulties and even all the good that God has for us for the day. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We have sinned, and guess what? We've sinned against other people. We declare that to him. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, protect us, is what that's saying. Because we recognize that there is an unforeseen battle that is happening around us every single day. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. 
Amen. We declare who he is, not just what he does. That's how he told us to pray every single day. So pray for your spouse. And don't just pray for yours. Pray for your spouse. Be praying for, please, pray for all the marriages of the leaders of this church. Pray for our new leadership team. Pray for our worship leaders family. Pray for Angie and I. Pray for marriages. I'm telling you, if God tries to take down a church, he does it through marriages more often than not. Be praying for our marriages. You know, be praying for your kids that angels would protect them everywhere they go. Be praying for our children that the lies of the enemy would not go into their ears. Be praying that they get caught. Yes, pray that they get caught. Pray that they don't go so far down the road, but that God catches them before they go down that road. If they are drinking early, pray that they get in trouble. Pray they get found out. A friend of mine as a pastor said, I drank one time before I was 21, and we were driving down the road, and I got in a car accident, and we got arrested with open containers. And it wasn't even beer, it was wine coolers. They were drinking, you know, chick drinks. And it was embarrassing. They couldn't even tell their friends why they couldn't drive for the next nine months. But you know what? His mom was praying that he would get caught. True story. If my son does something wrong, Lord, catch him before he goes any further. You know, I can't count the number of times that God has protected me because I perhaps don't know. But I can tell you that God has caught me before I've gotten very far down. And so much of what is good in me today is the result of what God didn't protect me from. When God let me get caught. When God let my sins be known. So that they wouldn't be hidden in the darkness, but brought into the light where I could work on them with other Christian men. And perhaps that's where God's going to continue to work. Before you face a problem, God already has a plan. This should have been a fill in the blanks. I love this. Just listen to this. Perhaps write this down. I would rather hurt in his will than live in comfort outside of it. I would rather hurt living in God's will and seeing my life become like Christ so that I can lead other people to follow Christ more so than living in comfort. And if I were to write a book, which I really do want to, on how the demonic forces are working in our culture today, they just want people to be comfortable. They just want people to enjoy retirement. And what better place to do it than on the east coast of central Florida, right? And we love it. Let's go fishing this afternoon. It's going to be great. But where can we find that part where our comfort is distracting us from the purpose that God has for us? Paul never said in prison one time, that's not fair. He never said, I cannot continue to trust God. But he did write in prison, Philemon, Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians. And by the way, Philippians is the book that talks about joy and hope more than any other book in the Bible. We rejoice in our suffering. Even though we are poured out, it says God will rejoice in all of you. We also says in scripture that we can delight in hardships, that we can delight in our persecution, our difficulties, because when we become weak, he becomes strong. It says, what shall separate us from the love of God? And it says, nothing can separate us. Not hardship, not brokenness, not difficulties, not even nakedness can separate us from the will of God, it says in Scripture. That God works in all things for good. 
So no matter what circumstance you find yourself in today or tomorrow, declare that we will wake up every single day and say, hallowed be your name, that we will worship him, that we will put on the worship music, listen to the new playlist, let that lead your worship. It doesn't matter if you're having a breakup or your car breaks down. It doesn't matter if your team loses or wins. It doesn't matter if it's what you wanted or what you never wanted in your life. That God never promises that he will always protect us. But he does promise that he will never leave us. No matter what circumstance you go through, God is there with you. And if you're a follower of Christ, when you find yourself in the midst of those battles, you can feel that battle fighting for you. Long before you face a problem, God has a plan. Church, let's pray. God, we're so thankful that we can just hold on to this trust in you. God, I know today that, well, everybody falls in one of the two categories. God, they either are in the midst of a difficulty, or they've come from a difficulty, or they're going to be in one. God, we're thankful that here in this place, we truly can live in lives of more joy and comfort than even the average person in America, which is saying a lot. But God, I also know that there's hurt and brokenness. God, I'm thankful that as a church, we're able to be there to pray with people. We're able to spend time with people. We're able to eat with people, break bread with people. But God, ultimately, God, we're calling you into their lives. Because God, you can do what only you can do. God, all we can do is point people to Jesus. God, here in a moment when we invite people to pray, God, we do this. We end our services with the opportunity to pray because, God, that we know that ultimately for lives to be changed requires the Holy Spirit to be let loose in their life, to be that lion that can come into their life and take control. And it's a little scary, God. Think of a lion coming into our life and roaring. A lion doesn't sound tameable. It's wild. But God, that's how you are described as the Lion of Judah. So God, we're willing to step into a place of discomfort. God, we're willing to hurt. Because we'd rather hurt in your will than living comfort outside of it. If there's anyone here who is hearing this message, and right now you just say, you know what? I need God's protection. Perhaps you don't know where you stand with God. Perhaps you don't know if you've had that moment that you've cried out to him and say, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior who came to earth to the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, was crucified and died on the cross and rose again on the third day, becoming that perfect sacrifice, allowing our sins to be forgiven. If that's you just in this moment, just join us in this prayer. And I say us because we're all going to say it together. If you said this prayer before, we don't want anyone to say it alone. So repeat after me and let's say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I have sinned. But I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. So I choose to commit my life to you as you've already given me yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Church, would you stand as we continue in worship? If you would like to receive prayer, our prayer ministry team is going to be up here next to the piano. Um, it doesn't have to be about this message. Perhaps you came here today just desiring to be prayed for. So we invite you to come forward and join our team. You can come up and just kneel and pray. But let God do what only God can do.